part of the series of Shiurim on war and religion, an area that hasn't really been thought of much over the last, not 2,000 years, but easily, easily 2,500 years since we fought actual wars with our sovereign nation. Hanukkah was an exception in the second base Hamikdash. We have to go all the way back to Malchus, Beis David, and Shlomo HaMelech, and of course, Chizkiah. We don't, we don't have a Masorah. We don't, can't look it up in every single Sefer, although we can collect Makaros and ideas from several Svar. So um, what do we say about revenge and about Nekama? I say the word revenge and Nekama, and almost immediately we cringe. We find it abhorrent. Revenge is never, is never a healthy trait. It's rarely useful. doesn't solve the underlying issue. Communication solves it. It escalates. Retaliation. It, of course, is corrosive to relationships. And it's also toxic to your own personal well-being and sense of, of, of um, inner, inner peace and inner quiet. To always try to look for revenge. And there's so many values that we cherish that revenge clashes with. Yet... Yet, the Ramban, in his comments to the Rambam's Sefer HaMitzvos, actually lists the Goel Hadam as a separate mitzvah. <coughs> According to most, we've shown him the next of kin can, if they want, advance the legal proceedings against the murderer. Their first rights too, but it's not a separate mitzvah. It's within the mitzvahs that govern Jewish halacha, Jewish due process. Within that system, the Goel Hadam can be the plaintiff. But according to the Rambam, there's actually a mitzvah's essay of the Goel Hadam to pursue, of course, through legal means, not through vigilanteism, not by killing. If the person runs through an ear miklat, they have to respect that, try to bring it to base, and without going into the halachas of Goel Hadam, but there's a separate mitzvah which suggests that seeking some form of revenge is an appropriate response. And, of course, you don't just need the Ramban, but the very, very famous, famous psukkah. I'll start with the most famous one. It's the Shir of Yom Ravi. And it starts with, Kel Nekamus Hashem, Kel Nekamus Sophia. He now says, Shofet Haaretz, Hashiv Kumbol Ogeim. And we'll see later, Gedol and Nekamah Chazal says, Shinitna Ben Shtei Shemos, Ben Shtei Osios, Kel Nekamus Hashem. So the very few words in the Torah that are sandwiched by the name of HaKadosh Baruch and you have the well-known Sukkim in Yeshaya. And excuse me for saying this, but they're very bloody. They're very bloody. These are not Sukkim that describe the Kama in a sanitized version. So I'm reading probably from the more famous section. Mizebah, this is in Parak Samach Yimel, the beginning of Samach Yimel. Who's coming from Edom? Their clothing are red. And we ask that Kama, because the Kurdish Baruch, the, the being that arrives. Madrua Adom Lilvushacha. Why are your clothing, or is your clothing red? And you look like you just went to the wine press. And the answer, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Ki yom nakam It's a day of vengeance in my heart. So, it sounds like HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes revenge. Or, in another section, let me see if I can just move to the other section, I think it's in Yeshaya, Paraglam Medalid. Same thing. Um, it's a lot of cherev l'ashem mal adam. This is pasuk vav. The sword of Hashem is full of blood. Who dashna mechevav? It's full of fat that has uh, from from the victims. Midam karim batudim mechevav kliyos elim. 
Hashem has slaughtered the enemies. Kiyom nakam Hashem. This is a day of revenge for Hashem. Shnashi lumim and uh, a day of compensation. Or, as David Melech says, really in the end of his shira, this is David Melech shira, Hakel doesn't just defeat my enemies. So it sounds from all these psukim that real revenge, I don't just mean revenge as a euphemism for victory, for preventing evil, for, for um, distancing terrorists. Real revenge, actual revenge, Goel Hadam style revenge, is uh, validated. So how do we reconcile between all these psukim, the Ramban, several Gemars, which I'm not going to go into, and the fact that instinctively we feel, I remember the first couple nights, right after the horrible tragedy of October 7th, and everyone was still reeling and raw and, and sad, and, and we started bombing, and um, obviously we have to bomb, because the terrorists, Yimach Shemam, were hiding behind civilians. And I remember that every time there was a bomb that was dropped on Aza, in one of the nearby cities, and of course the city is Ashkel and Ashdod, all the areas near south, you could hear the bombs, there would be loud cheers rising up from um, from apartment homes, the complexes of apartment homes. All of a sudden, you'd hear the cheers, everyone would be on their repassad. And even in that raw moment, it struck me as, as inappropriate. Obviously, the mission was appropriate, and obviously, if there are terrorists that are killed in the bombing, it's appropriate, and obviously, every time a terrorist gets killed, we say, because these animals have to be wiped off the face of the earth. But just to be happy that we're getting back at people, it doesn't strike me the right way. But yet, if you're honest, and a lot of people read these psukim and incorrectly, incorrectly say, well, Kodesh Barucho wants us to take revenge, an eye for an eye, blood for blood, you killed ours, let's kill yours, retaliation, tag mechir. Now, I'm not making a political statement. If if settlers feel that taking taking acts of violence against local enemies, not civilians, but enemies, will act as a deterrent, then that's a completely separate question. Again, it speaks to larger issues of whether vigilantism is appropriate, is not appropriate, whether that will force the army to dedicate resources to keeping law and order and more resources. This is a complicated question. So I don't want people to imagine I'm issuing blanket rejection or approval, but to just say, you killed ours, we're going to kill yours, just to let more blood, that can't possibly be what Hashem wants from us. So what are the parameters that govern healthy nakama? What is healthy nakama. I don't even like to use the word revenge because it's not revenge for revenge's sake. So here are the three parameters as far as it strikes me. Number one, first and foremost, it's not about you and it's not about satisfying your bloodlust and your desire to feel better about yourself that you took a pound of flesh from the enemy. It has to be, and this is not really number one, but it's 1A, 1B, and 1C or three different ideas. It has to be that your defeat of the enemy this reciprocation or retaliation is accomplishing something higher, larger, more noble, more important. If it's just to feel good about yourself, to feel good about ourselves, well, they killed and we killed them. What are they? What are the casualty tallies? And how many? That's obviously, obviously corrupt, and it's obviously alien to our Masara. So, what are the larger values that Akama serves, and where do we see these in the Pesukim? So obviously, the larger value, or the largest value, is when you're being no-kem, nikmas Hashem. When you are defending the affront, the chil Hashem, and you're restoring Hashem's presence in the name of HaKadosh Baruch So for example, 
when the Midianites attacked the Jewish people and their attack was to distract the Jewish people at Baal Peor, to lure them into pagan orgies, and 24,000 people died. And it was a Chil Hashem. So Moshe, or Shem tells, Nekom Nekmas B'nei Yisrael But in the very next passage, Moshe tells them, Laseis Nikmas Hashem B'Mijan. So it has to be an akama that serves a higher purpose, and one higher purpose is to preserve or to restore the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that has been sullied, that has been diminished, that has been defaced, that has been vandalized. Hashem is universal, cosmological, beyond, you can't even apply those words, but he's beyond, he contains the entire reality. But in this world, his presence is a product of human decisions and human behavior human actions. And human actions can reduce his presence, human actions can augment his presence. And when his presence is diminished, that's a chilal Hashem. And because of that, Nekama can restore, on behalf of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, can restore Hashem's presence. Again, not to let blood, but to defeat those who have desecrated Hashem's name, and by defeating those Rishayim, to restore Hashem's presence, because the disappearance of Rishayim restores Hashem's presence, because they had challenged Hashem's presence. And that's why when David HaMelech, and I'll try to quote some of these Pesukim, when David HaMelech um, celebrates Nekama, he says, Hakel Hanosein Nekamos Li. Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't just give me the opportunity for Nekamos, but it's a Nekama of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hanosein Nekmosav, I would write, Li. It's the Nekama for Hashem. He doesn't just give me Nekamos, but he's the, so to speak, the object whose luster, whose presence I'm restoring. Or for that reason, that's why, in Tehillim Sadek Dalit, Kel Nekamot Hashem, Kel Nekamot Hofiyah. So Kodesh Baruch Hu, the Nekama, is sandwiched between the name of Hashem if the Nekama serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu's purpose. So that's one scenario where Nekama is appropriate. That's one larger value that Nekama services. The second larger value <coughs> excuse me, that Nekama can service is a sense of fairness and justice. We know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a just Hashem. We know that Hashem put an instinct into the human heart. We want to sense justice in this world. We feel like our world should reflect the Kaddish Baruch Hu being the Melech HaMishpat. That's at the core of Jewish thought and at the core of why Jews have been so successful in driving this world towards greater progress and greater advance because we believe Hashem is both just and compassionate. And when people suffer in this world, either through tragedy or just through limitation, they don't have technology, they, I don't mean they don't have a computer, I mean humanity hasn't reached medical advance, scientific advance, cultural advance. So we feel driven to improve the world because Hashem is just and good people should, normal, good, average people should have better conditions. So we want to create, we want to innovate, we want to discover, as opposed to religions like Islamic fundamentalism, that Rahman al-Islam views Hashem as angry and capricious. So there's absolutely no religious impetus to change or to improve the world. So we're instilled with not just a belief in Hashem who is in Mishpat, but in our own expectation of Mishpat. And to a degree, that's why we can live in just and, 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 and sustainable and workable societies, because we in- introduce instruments of Mishpat into our society, and they act as deterrent, and they act as... So, the, so the, the concept of Mishpat, the concept of fairness and right and consequence and penalty is hardwired into our system. And that's why when we sense injustice, Jews were so active and leading, and that's what's ironic, leading some of the anti-discriminatory policies of the early 20th century, Jews were always rising up. Jews were communists, because at least in, in communist idea ideology, 
the communists were fighting the injustice of the management class, of the upper class, of the global economists, the global capitalists, the global bankers. So Jews are always at the forefront of the fight for justice. And when horrible crimes are committed and there's no justice, it's always if the core of our identity, I don't mean our identity as individuals, but the core of our identity as a people. How can we live in a world without justice? How can we live in a world without consequence? So it's not attacking the criminal just to let that person's blood and walk home and feel better about yourself. He took my blood, I'm taking his blood. No, there's a higher purpose. You're restoring justice into the world. You're restoring mishpat. And that's why the bracha of Vilam Malshinim, which is a bracha of Nakama, to eradicate the evil, was juxtaposed, and I'll talk about the origin of the bracha a little bit later, was juxtaposed to the bracha of Hashiva Shavtenu. Hashiva Shavtenu kivarishonam, v'yohatzeinu kivarchila, v'yosemi menuyagon v'anacha. The reason, the lead-in, the entree, the preamble to Vilam Malshinim is, Hashem, please restore judges and kings and an environment of justice and, and, and fairness and consequence because without that, human beings can't live. They can't create societies. There's no cause and effect. There's no expectation of justice. Hashem isn't seen as a just God. The absence of justice in our world can be devastating psychologically, collectively, socially. It can be so destabilizing to human identity. So when we take the comma and we restore justice and we give individuals what they deserve, we're serving that higher purpose. And that's why that famous, famous Pasuk in Sadiq Dalit, I keep quoting, and I'll continue the Pasuk, and I'll mention other Pesachim that are similar. Kel Nekamos Hashem, Kel Nekamos Hofia, Tzadakarish Baruch Hu is described as Kel Nekamos Hashem, and the word Nekamos is juxtaposed Hashem's name, is sandwiched by Hashem's name, Kel Nekamos, Kel Nekamos, Kel Nekamos Hashem. Hinase Shofet Haaretz. Be elevated, the Shofet Haaretz, as shave Gimol Al and reciprocate to the evil nations, what they deserve. So Nakama, in the beginning of the Pasuk, is insufficient and, of course, is inappropriate until it's Hinasi Shofet Haaretz. And by the way, we say the same thing in Tehillim, Kuf Memtes, which we say every day. Cher Pifiyos Biyadam, Lasos, this is one of the Halalukas in Pesuket Zimra, Lasos Nekama Vagoyim, Tochechos Baleumim, Hashem should create Nekama, Bagoyim tochechos balomim, lesor machem mizikim to tie up their wicked kings in, in handcuffs. Les machem zikam nechbedem lechavle barzel, the noble men in chains of barzel. Lasels bohem mishpat kasuv, hadarhu lechol chasidav. The Kadosh Baruch Hu, the the tying up of kings and the lasels nekamav agoyim is lasels mishpat kasuv. There has to be a lead in to something larger. In this case, mishpat. I'll just quote a, a third pasuk, a lesser-known parakin tilim. This is tilim parak nunches. The end of nunches also has the actual word nekama. Yismach tzadik ki chazan nakam. The righteous person will be happy now, happy, satisfied that there's justice, and he sees nakam. Ve'omar adam. Next pasuk. Ach prilat tzadik. Very famous phraseology. The pri tzadik. Ach yesh elokim shoftim baritz. There is Hashem. And Hashem's presence is known, and Hashem's presence in particular is a shofet, not a shofet in the punishment and penalizing, but a shofet who wants to restore justice and maintain justice, and Eila Mishpatim, and Melech Mishpat, in order to reinforce the sense of justice, that there are consequences, that the world has equilibrium, moral equilibrium, moral symmetry, there has to be an akama from those who have committed outrageous chatayim. So there has to be something larger for Nakama. It can't be to take blood. 
It has to be to restore Hashem's presence as bin Mishal, and we certainly know that an attack on our people, in our land, with such atrocities, that sound like reminders of the Holocaust, Rahman al-Islam, and on Simchas Tara, this is a massive, massive Chil Hashem. Massive Chil Hashem. And all the anti-Semitism and hatred towards Hashem's people, that this is unleashed. So the fact that we're chasing down the terrorists, I know that our government sees it differently, maybe it's a deterrent, maybe it's just active in the but we're trying to fight a, mal- a malchama, a war of spirit, and part of the spirit is restoring Hashem's presence by eliminating those who have attacked His presence. And the second is to restore justice. The third is as follows. The third is, and it's a very, very um, delicate issue. Sometimes you'll hear Holocaust survivors, for example, say that my greatest revenge is to having outlast Hitler, escaped to Israel, built a family, built something, the Nazis have since passed. This is my greatest revenge upon the Nazi regime. And if you think about it, is it really revenge or just survival, perseverance, heroism, and many adjectives you'd apply to someone who outlasts atrocity and lives to see another day and builds where they meant to decide. But why would you call it revenge? And the answer is because when our enemies try to destroy us, they're trying to... They're not just attacking us. They're attacking Jewish mission that's fulfilled by every single Jew who lives and is attendant and sensitive to Jewish mission and contributes to Jewish mission. And the, the, the revenge we get is by foiling their plans and by surpassing them and continuing in our mission. So obviously the triumph is larger than the revenge, but for the person who goes through the suffering and the nightmare and the frustration and the discrimination and the persecution, so there's a real battle. That The battle was... Our enemies sought to eliminate the potential that we seek to accomplish. And by pursuing and achieving that success, we actually revenge our enemies. Our enemies' plans are foiled, and, and sometimes it's even ironic, as it was in the case of Haman and Mordechai. That's the very well-known statement of the Vilna Gon in Shulchan Arach. person should be drunk on Purim until he can't tell the difference between Arur Haman and Baruch Mordechai. I'm not going to focus on the drunk part of it now, that's, that's part of the, the Vilna Gon's idea, but what was the revenge against Haman? The revenge against Haman wasn't just hanging his sons on a tree that he had made for himself, but taking all the wealth that he had acquired and all the wealth that he had intended to use to pay for his genocide and transferring that to Mordechai, making Mordechai to the viceroy. And of course, as we all know, a few years later, all this surge in Mordechai's popularity and surge in Jewish identity led to the construction of the Beis HaMikdash, which was probably built with a lot of the wealth delivered to Esther and, Haman, and Mordechai from Haman that he had accumulated from stealing and from robbing and from gathering all the wealth that Paras and Madai had taken from Bavel. That's, of course, a larger picture. So the revenge is that Haman wanted to destroy the Jewish people, and the ironic part of the revenge is that his plans boomeranged, and all of his money and all of his funds didn't just leave. Right? We think of the ironic part that the Eights that he prepared for Mordechai, to hang Mordechai, became his own gallop. The revenge was outlasting Haman and succeeding in Jewish destiny, which Haman wanted to eradicate. And you see this very powerfully in the one Pasuk I didn't quote, but it's probably the most well-known Pasuk of Nakama, Moshe's description of Nakama. Again, a Pasuk we all know from davening, not the Shir Shalyom, but the Tefillah called Av Harachamim, which is obviously an appropriate place to consider Nakama, 
And we use the phrase Hashem Yikom Damav in um, the end of Hazina, which is a short synopsis of Jewish history and our betrayal and our tshuva and all the suffering that we encounter. But in the end, we perform tshuva and Baruch Hu then intervenes and redeems us. Harninu Goyim Amo. So now the nations are actually singing to us, not shouting at us, not screaming at us, not accusing us of genocide. Harninu, they're singing. Why are they singing? Ki, now ki is a strange phrase, doesn't mean because, doesn't mean through, but ki dam avadav yikom, v'nakam yashiv litzarav. Now, there are many, many ways to interpret this pasuk, but the way I'll interpret it now is that the singing to us is our nakama. What is the nekama that Hashem provides for us? Not only that our enemies are destroyed. Okay, so the another, another few people in the grave. Does that really change the underlying issue? It does because it restores Hashem's presence, because the Mechal HaShemayim are no longer here. It does because it restores our sense of justice, the first two issues I spoke about. But ultimately, what's our nekama? That we outlast history, we fulfill our mission, and despite all the people who rose against us to destroy us, we last to the end of days, and all of humanity gathers in Yerushalayim, and um, they celebrate our role in history, despite all the anger and all the hostility. So the next time you see a, uh, a protest hurling vile anti-Semitic tropes and canards and false accusations and screaming, we're going to kill you, you know what our come will be? One day, all those hordes will gather and celebrate Jews and celebrate Judaism. And it will happen. Who's to know when? But it will happen. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to accelerate the timelines to make it happen as soon as possible. But that's our Nekama. So, Nekama can't be for personal bloodlust or personal vengeance. It has to be to serve a larger purpose that can only be served by eliminating the Rishayim. It's to restore the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to restore Kiddush Hashem as opposed to Hashem. Killing Eichman, Yimach Shema, was a Kiddush Hashem. Why? Not because people looked at us and said this or said that. But someone who would attack the Jewish people was essentially attacking Hashem's presence, and the removal of that person was a Kiddush Hashem. Mirz Hashem, when Yechi Sinwar will be killed, that will be a Kiddush Hashem. Number one. Number two. People live individually, collectively, socially, with a sense of justice. To restore, to preserve that sense of justice, there has to be consequence of a horrible crime. Number three, and without justice, our entire world becomes toppled. Number three, revenge accelerates or advances the success that we reach, that was a, that our enemies tried to eliminate and to, and to cancel, and the revenge is that their plans to cancel, to, 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 to thwart our, our destiny as an individual, as a nation, our revenge is that we eliminate them and we move on and we fulfill our destiny. This is why Rav Cook says, and with this I'll end, in his Sefer on Tefillah called Olas Hariya. This is why the Gemara in Brachos describes that Rabbi Gamliel asked the Chachamim, who can, who can um, compose a Tefillah of Valam al what's called the Gemara Birchas Aminim? Now, why was Rabbi Gamliel asking for some of them? Plenty of poets and plenty of Paitonim and plenty of people. All of a sudden, it was this bracha that required a special election process. Who can compose it? And of course, who did compose it? Someone named Shmuel HaKatan. Why was Shmuel HaKatan chosen? Sir of Cook, in his poetic and historically panoramic style, says, because here was the problem. How can you compose a tefillah about eliminating our enemies and killing our enemies and destroying our enemies and taking revenge against our enemies? 
that's a very delicate bracha to articulate. And if the bracha is going to conjure or elicit bloodthirst and vengeance and desire for blood and for killing and for death and for murder, then that can't be a bracha. That's a klala. It's a reflexive klala. The klala will turn back on the person. So that's why there was a, a pause. Who can write this bracha? Who can write the bracha thinking about some of the ideas I just mentioned? Who can write the bracha thinking about the nobility or the noble moments of Nakama, not the disgusting, cruel, barbaric forms of Nakama? And according to Yavkuk, that's why Shmuel HaKatan was chosen. Because Shmuel HaKatan in Perkiavos is actually the one who authors, or partially authors, the Mishnah, that when your enemies suffer, this is in Perak Dalit Mishnah Yates, you shouldn't um, be excessively joyful, at least in your expression. And maybe I'll talk about this a little bit, because obviously every time a terrorist is murdered, I feel it's a per- time for celebration. I say, that's a separate conversation. But Shmuel had proven sensitive, humble enough, um, compassionate enough to realize that even when your worst enemy dies, you don't celebrate externally, you're not jovial, you're not ecstatic. What you are, what you are, is a separate question. So he had proven that he had this inner equilibrium between, on the one hand, um, on the one hand, being able to appreciate the role of Nakama without letting it deteriorate into bloodlust and blood celebration. So it's a, it's a very, very sensitive and delicate and subtle topic, and I hope that this year helps set a certain framing for when Nakama is and isn't appropriate.